This episode is sponsored in part by Hopsy, the Keurig for beer. Go to tryhopsy.com and use promo code GOG to get the sub-home draft machine, two mini kegs of beer, two Hopsy glasses, and free membership in the monthly beer club for 99 bucks. Terms and conditions apply. That is tryhopsy, H-O-P-S-Y. This episode is also brought to you by Hover, the world's greatest website to buy domains. Go to hover.com slash GOG to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hover.com slash GOG for 10% off. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. What a week, Brian. I've had some I've had some interesting health issues this week. Okay. Which has gotten me into which I'm not going to talk about on the show because we the, the people's have spoken. They don't give a shit about that stuff. So I'm going to talk about the technology side of my brain falling apart. <laughs> uh, I've been talking with my friend Kevin Rose, and he's a big, you know, health hacker guy. And he's turned me on to a couple different services. But there's one that I found that's called Prometheus. I, I just call it Prometheus because I think yeah, that's kind exactly. of what they were going for, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but what it is, is you take your 23andMe, Ancestry.com, Family Tree, DNA, or whatever data that you have about your, your genome... Mm-hmm. You pop it in, and then it builds a report for you based on S. Was it SPpedia? I think that was the the name of it. Okay. And it's it's kind of cool. What it does is it gives you just a better way to view the data than you get from these other things. Because I'm like I'm looking through my 23andMe data, and on their site, and it's like okay, I'm looking for a certain thing, and it's really hard to find. And these guys just take the data dump that you can get from them with just all of your genes and all the a, B, G, or Gattaca things, whatever. <laughs> yes, Gattaca. And, uh, <laughs> and gives you a really nice report. And I'm like, okay, I like this. And here's the kicker. It's only 12 bucks. Mm-hmm. There's another one that does it for 45 bucks that I haven't done yet. Oh, it's SNpedia. Sorry. SNpedia. Okay. So they basically do what 23andMe should be doing for you. Yes. Yes. Right. Now, how did you peruse the privacy policy or the t- the TFCs? I, I don't i i give zero you, fucks. you've given up at this point <laughs> i've given zero fucks <laughs> okay. about my privacy policy with this stuff no i, I honestly okay. understood do not care anymore because what i care about is trying to figure out what the hell's wrong with me mm. and unfortunately what i have is i have two apoe four alleles which means that i am extremely likely going to get alzheimer's disease and that's kind of one of the one of the symptoms I've been having, which is not good. And uh, so I'm just going through all this stuff. And it's fascinating how much stuff is out there that you can get from here. You know, just looking at the stuff. I am going mm-hmm. to get my full genome sequenced early next year for sure. Mm-hmm. Just just to get it done. And then everybody can have it. I, I will actually even fuck it. Who cares? I'll post it on GOG.show. You can have a copy of my goddamn genome because <laughs> I am so broken. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Well, I mean, again, I would like to remind you of what I told you when we were conversing uh, over the last few days after this. Uh, again, these these things are not set in stone. Genetics are just one part of a full puzzle. In fact, oh, if, yes. as, at the very link that you put in the show notes, when you go to the homepage here for, for Prometheus Tees or whatever it's called, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it says right here, this is for educational researchers purposes only. I realize that most published reports about DNA variants explain only a small part 
of the heritability of a trait, and they also they take into different accounts how different variants might interact. In addition, public reports typically ignore environmental, dietary, microbial, medical history, and lifestyle factors, any or all of which may affect my true risk for any trait or disease. So take a chill pill, Jason. Oh, no, no, no. I can't take See a chill pill. No, yeah. <laughs> well, I still can, can't afford insurance, so I'm, I'm doing this stuff on my own right now until I can afford insurance. But the one thing that came out of this that was really fun is RS53576AA. Uh-huh. Lack of empathy? You have an SMP in the oxytocin receptor, which may make you less empathetic than most people. When under stress, you may have more difficulty recognizing the emotional state of others, which impacts loneliness, parenting, and social skills, which is A, why I'm not a parent, and B, why I'm a podcaster. Yeah, kind of hard to argue with that one, Jason. I'm t- see, that's I, I put that one in there because I'm like, oh, Brian's gonna fucking love this one. <laughs> a, well, I, I will say it's a bit like reading the horoscope and finding the one line that actually coincides perf- perfectly with you right now. No, but there's a lot of stuff in here. I, I'll send it to you if you want to see it, but uh, it's it's pretty detailed on a lot of this stuff. And the the Alzheimer's thing just came up because I was having memory issues. So like really, really, really bad memory issues. And uh, and Kevin like turned me on to this stuff. Kevin's been fucking fantastic with this. So um, as as I get new tools as we keep going, it'll be interesting. I'm reading uh, Dr. Bredesen's book on the end of Alzheimer's right now because they've apparently come up with a way to stave off the symptoms of Alzheimer's and maybe like completely reverse it if you're young enough and you start young enough. Right. Well, and so good. I'm going getting through ahead that. Of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally getting ahead of the game because when, when I got all this information, this is one of those things where it's like you get all this information and you think, okay, well, half of this is probably bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because like you just said, when you read the, the yes, notice, the, the disclaimers. The first, yes. <laughs> it's just like, ah, maybe some of this is bullshit, but then some of it you're like, well, that hit, that hit, that hit. So you have a, there are so many uh, like cognitive biases that come in when you have to read this stuff. And then you have to go look up cognitive bias and figure out which one that you're being, you know, moved by at that current point. But Dr. Bredesen's work has seemed to really actually work. And he's a scientist. He was on the Jordan Harbinger show. And the funny thing is, I completely spaced out when that show was going on because I'm like, who cares about Alzheimer's? <laughs> and turns out I should have listened maybe a little bit more. But these tools are really cool. These tools are really cool. And I've got a couple more that I'm going to run on my 23andMe data. Mm-hmm. And I'll also like post when next year when I do the uh, the full genetic sequence where to get that done because I'm doing research on the best places to get it done so they don't swap my my spit with Bam Bams and then I come back as a Cocker Spaniel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and a little follow-up. We talked about Def Leppard We totally week. already did follow-up. What are you talking about? See? <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you. I know. Okay. There was that half second there where I literally didn't know if we had done follow-up. That's how bad it's gotten. Okay. Oh, God. I'm dying. I'm dying. Def Leppard, Janet Jackson, Radiohead, and Stevie Nicks among the 2019 inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But my favorite mm. one is, of course, The Cure. Yes. Cure is finally in. So uh, No, that's very cool. Very cool. But we talked about Def Leppard last week, so I wanted to throw this in here because... Uh, yeah. Those guys are getting old. Yeah, so is the cure. I mean, come on. That's been 40 years since the first album. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, so are we. Uh, You know, it's funny. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a complete load of shit. Everybody that's in the music industry knows it's all political and it's all a joke. Until, of course, your band makes it in. (laughs) And you're like, yes, vindication. (laughs) Nope, that's pretty much it. I'm like, I hate the Webbies. Wait, I'm up for a Webby? All right, I love the Webbies. (laughs) 
This is cool. <laughs> yeah. A little sour grapes action going on. <laughs> That's the sour grapes cognitive bias. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, also follow up from uh, almost like three years ago or whatever, when we were first discussing this uh, and we were always said we'd follow up with it when we knew what happened. Well, we finally know because it's finally happened because things take forever. Both Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams have to pay over $5 million to the estate of uh, get the gay family for blurred lines. So they finally got hit with uh, basically, yeah, you stole the song. So uh, pay up. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. However, I, and, and, I mean, Brian, Brian you got to keep not... in mind that it's been over it, the song itself has made over sixteen million dollars, so they're only giving right. up fifty percent. They're getting, but they are giving up fifty percent of all future royalties as well. So that's kind of a deal. Okay, and Brian's not being homophobic here. He's talking about the Marvin Gay Estate, not the Gay yep. Estate. <laughs> Just to make sure, new listeners. There's a might huge not party know. in West Hollywood right now. They're all getting money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, the Marvin Gay Estate, obviously. Yes. And there's a really good article over on Slate called Google's Web of Confusion about uh, the testifying uh, CEO Sundar Pichai and uh, the exchange that we talked about between the congressmen. Um, just in case it didn't hit home and you didn't watch the video, go read this article and you will see exactly why we keep screaming about how our representatives need to have some understanding of what technology is. It's crucial at this point and it's ridiculous that they don't. Yeah, yeah you have to have it. Yeah, because they just don't understand the problem. And I liked in this Slate article that they brought up the same things that I brought up, which was like, it's not a simple question. It's no. like, I have an iPhone. Good for you. You know, <laughs> I used to work at Kinko's and people would come in and go, I have a disc and I would applaud them. And I'm like, fantastic. That's awesome <laughs> that you have a disc. What do you want to do with it? <laughs> and right. this, it's, it's the same level. Like our our representatives have the same level of technological understanding as a Kinko's customer does in the like late eighties. That's right. about where we're at right now. <laughs> so we need some smarter people in there. And, and I'm not saying that they're dumb, but I'm just saying they don't have a no, technological understanding. They don't have, yeah. They don't have a technology background and it's obvious that their, uh, their aides aren't helping them out too much. Right. Yeah. Cause they're too busy on Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to point out as a little bit of follow up, travelers season three has dropped. I got an email this morning. I am so excited for this because I mm -hmm. needed a new series to watch on Netflix. And um, I'm, I'm still digging Travelers. I was kind of, you know, let down by the end of season one, but season two really ramped it up. Uh, are you a fan of the show or not? I uh, have not watched it. I recommend it. It's a it's good sci-fi. It's really good sci-fi because it's got time travel and crazy shit from the future. I, I'm really enjoying it. And now that there's a season three... There's no excuse for you, Brian, because it, <laughs> it is. That is my rule. It has broken Schulmeister's rule. It has made it to season <laughs> three. Right. And a quick story. I after we did the little bit last week and I or not even last week. Yeah, it was last week. I see time travel, time travel right. um, about blogrolling.com and how after Nick is like hijacking all the traffic. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know what? Let me try and buy it. Let me see if I can buy it back. So I got in touch with After Nick and the guy who owns it wanted $5,000 for it. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you're an idiot. Right. Like, I, 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 let me introduce myself. My name is Jason. I built blogrolling.com. I am the only person on the planet that is going to pay you to get this domain back <laughs> because I'm the only one that cares because blog rolls are not a thing anymore. It is dead technology. I want the domain to stop After Nick from being assholes and stealing people's traffic. Well, so I offered them $1,000. I scraped That's it up. Good price for, for a domain name these days. People don't understand that they're really not worth that much. 
No, they're not. And it, it honestly, it's not worth a thousand dollars because all it was going to be is an article that I wrote that would be the history of blogrolling.com right. uh, with a link to my podcast business. But they said no. So sorry, everyone uh, who still has blog rolling embeds on your site. You might want to go change those. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure that anybody listening does not have a blog rolling embed on their site because they're, you know, they all left the Internet long ago. But anyway, I tried. I tried. I really, no, it's really funny tried. that you mentioned that, because when we were having our little discussion about um, your friend Coop leaving Facebook and, and the walled garden stuff, I was in the back of my mind. I was like, I wonder if Jason wants to start back up blog rolling. No, I mean, nobody would use it. There's no reason. It's a feature, not a, you know, not a product. Exactly. It really is. And yeah, Ben Trott from Movable Type, when he, he, they almost bought it when back in the day when I was selling it, Movable Type almost bought the company and they're like, um, yeah, it's a feature, not really a product, but if he wants to come work with us, great, we'll hire him. And I'm like, you write in Perl. I'm not going (laughs) to work in Perl. And, and, and my prediction, my prediction came completely true this was in way early 90s and i told i told ben i'm like you need to rewrite movable type into php otherwise you're dead and (laughs) that completely came to pass it completely came to pass because guess what matt mullenweg took over wordpress which was another thing another open source package did it all in php because everybody was moving to php at that point because perl is hard i don't know if you've ever written much perl it sucks i did not enjoy it Oh, it is one of the worst languages to ever write in. But PHP is actually kind of pleasant. I don't mind writing PHP. And and WordPress ate their lunch. So, yep. yeah, suck it. Suck it, Ben Trot. In the news. Well, for once, we have some good news in the uh, United States of America and our uh, how I regularly complain about how we're becoming a third world nation because of power grid problems and all such thing. But uh, there is a little bit of good news. The Internet is getting faster, especially fixed broadband Internet. Broadband download speeds in the U.S. rose 35.8 percent and upload speeds are 22 percent up from last year, according to Internet speed test firm Ookla in its latest U.S. broadband report. So look at that. It's getting a little better, a little better, a little better. What do you have at your house? Oh, I have no clue. I never test it. Oh, I test mine every day. <laughs> I know. I, I decided a long time ago I don't need to know these things. Well, <laughs> good good enough for us to podcast on most days. Okay, so yeah, my down my down speed is two hundred and thirty four megabits megabits, not megabytes, and my up speed is twenty three megabits. That costs mm-hmm. me a hundred dollars a month. Right. And for you know, I used to have a T one line at my house that cost ten thousand dollars <laughs> a month. It was yep. one point four <laughs> megabits down. <laughs> crazy right it's insane i love it i love being being fast on the internet yes me too and we have some more good news at least for those of us who are fans of regulations and following rules here in los angeles airbnb regulations are coming finally after three years of deliberation the city of la has rules to regulate short-term rental platforms such as airbnb HomeAway, and vrbo the regulations what is vrbo You've never, oh, it's vacation rental, blah, 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 something. I've actually used them before. Oh, really? I've never heard mm-hmm. of them before. Yep. Yep. They were around, uh, basically, they lost, uh, they were around before Airbnb. They just uh, didn't have good marketing. They had a really shitty, ugly site. No. Oh, see, that's why so you they, need to hire really good web designers. I'm telling you. <laughs> yes. So it's the same thing. So basically, okay. Uh, the regulations have been passed on Tuesday. They said 120 night limit on activity, which means if you own a place, you can only rent it up to 120 nights per year. So it can't be a full time rental as it should be, mm-hmm. the whole point of these things. It bans rent-controlled units from being rented out and allows hosts 
you'll only rent out their primary residence, so you can't buy up a bunch of properties and become mini Paris Hiltons. Okay. The Hilton part, anyways. (laughs) So, yeah, this is everything that uh, Airbnb claimed to be about anyways. So I don't see why they should be complaining, but of course they are. So, So I think this is a great thing. This is exactly... This is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Sure, you can rent out your place if you want. Let's keep it to a minimum. Let's not let you become crazy like landlords who just buy up all the properties in these areas and rent them out. Let's make it a fair playing field. All right. We'll see what happens now. It's funny. When I type in VRBO into Google, Mm -hmm. the first thing that comes up is vacation rentals by owners. Airbnb.com slash vacation rental. (laughs) So (laughs) that's, that's why VRBO probably lost. Maybe and, they got bought out. I don't really know. It's been a long time since I tried them. Yeah, but I can tell you their SEO sucks because their their title <laughs> tag is VRBO.com pipe VRBO registration like trademark symbol <laughs> dash official website pipe vacation rentals by owner. Yeah, not so great. Yeah. Lyft drivers are up in arms right now. Oh, okay. Jiminy, they're suing <laughs> the state of California or actually they're suing Lyft in the state of California. Because they do not make the Californian minimum wage, which is $11 per hour. Right. Uh, yeah. Go figure. There's really not a lot to say but, but besides that. I mean, Lyft is getting sued. Hand over fist. So is Uber. Everybody's just saying, like, look, the gig economy isn't working. Nope. It is not working. And to drive that point home is an amazing article in the New Yorker magazine. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Uber is headed for a crash. And I love this. The notion that Uber, the most highly valued private company in the world, is a textbook bezel. Now, I was like, what the hell's a bezel? Well, this is John Galbraith's coinage for an investment swindle where the losses have yet to be recognized. Yeah, play on embezzle. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So the whole point of the article is to point out the fact that Uber just keeps taking money, keeps taking money, and in mm-hmm. like, and they're just taking it out the back door. Mm-hmm. And how this is unsustainable because in the beginning the company had so much money that they would subsidize the drivers. Well, mm-hmm. they're not doing that anymore in a lot of places, and people are just leaving the service because it costs too much to get an Uber. It's like, right. okay, well, if it costs just as much as a taxi, I might as well just get in my car. You know, <laughs> that's kind of it. They they tried to win the quote unquote hearts and minds of people across the world and it turns out it's just not gonna work and was that not my argument when they first came out i said they're artificially decreasing the price and at some point it's going to come back up and it's going to be the same if not more than taxis exactly and we've argued the point that what they were banking on is self-driving cars being a thing the only way the company was going to survive was to fire all the employees. Exactly. A robot fleet, and then it would be profitable. Exactly. And since that's taken a little bit longer than they thought, we'll see if they actually make it. I mean, that really is the only way that Uber is going to survive. Well, unfortunately, both Lyft and Uber are going to go uh, public next year, and they're going to make a crap ton of money, and it's going to keep them afloat even longer. But eh. uh, nobody looks at the baseline of this if uh, standard investment if you took a class on economics in high school or college you would look at the financials of both of these companies and you would run screaming from the hills you would never invest in them never people do because people don't pay attention never never ever 
you know, and even they talk about the economics in this article. And it's like, you know, comparisons of Uber to other storied tech wunderkinder show Uber <laughs> is not on the same trajectory. No ultimately successful major technology company has been as deeply unprofitable for anywhere remotely as long as Uber has been. <laughs> After nine years, Uber isn't within hailing distance of making money and continues to bleed more red ink than any startup in history. By contrast, Facebook and Amazon were solidly cash flow positive by their fifth year. So that's that really kind of just lays it out for you right now. You know, yep. deeply unprofitable. There's our show title right there because <laughs> that is what Uber is. You know, yep. I fortunately for a bunch of my friends who are angels in, in there, they cashed out recently. So they'll they'll do OK. But. Man, the rich get richer, they, but uh, the regular people are getting screwed on all this. Yeah, so if you ever, are, if you even think for one second about putting any of your money into Uber, you're a moron. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. So this is a cautionary tale. We were right from the get-go when this started, and yeah, it's not getting any better. Nope. Yeah, now, over at Inc.com, they have <laughs> an article that I was just I was shaking my head up, because this is just, this is the... <laughs> this is the comparison that I want to put out there because these are the types of articles people wrote about Uber when Uber mm -hmm. started. 14 mm -hmm. months, 120 cities, $2 billion. There's never been a company like Bird. Is the world ready? Well, as we know from Betteridge's Law of Headlines, the answer is no. no. <laughs> but they, these guys have just racked up a valuation that is just ungodly. And Mr. Vanderzander. I finally get to see a picture of him. If you go to the article, there's a picture of Mr. Vanderzander riding a bird. And of course. He Is he wearing kinda, a helmet? No, he's not. No, he's, he's not, not wearing, wearing a, helmet. a helmet. Interesting. <laughs> so <And> he's, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm telling you. That's the thing. I mean, I was reading this article and saying, oh, this is, this is the greatest thing ever. Woohoo. And I texted you yesterday morning. I'm like, oh, no. Scooters have invaded my neighborhood now, too. Mm -hmm. And there are lime scooters up and down Ventura Boulevard and Woodland Hills. And yep. the thing about it is I live in the valley. Mm -hmm. This is the place where people don't scoot. Nobody they don't scoots. walk. They don't walk. Everybody drives in the valley. Exactly. I'm in I'm in I'm living in one of the only walkable areas in all of L.A. So it kind of made sense why they were here. So yesterday I, I, I was driving to the grocery store to get some stuff. And I, I made a note of where where all the scooters were today. I went to the grocery store this morning, go buy some broccoli because we're having shrimp and broccoli for dinner because I'm trying to be healthy now because my brain fucked. So every single spot where they had dropped off the lime scooters yesterday, not a single one of them moved. <laughs> not a single one of them. Period. No. No, look, I've never doubted for a second that there is a small viable model for these scooters. That makes sense. But it's not what they're doing, and it's not the way they're doing it. They're using Uber's tactics, which we've discussed. We've discussed this because Van Der Zander comes from Uber. He's from Uber. We're at the Van Der Zander vanguard of hating Bird <laughs> and talking about why these scooters are horrible and yes. just not worth the amount of money that they are. So we'll just move on. It's the Van Der Zander horizon. <laughs> that's that's really yeah. the, like the Van Der Zander event horizon, where, where like <laughs> everything sucks thanks yeah. to you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, and speaking, going, doubling back around to the uh, our legislators and our lawmakers not understanding technology at all. There's been a lot of hoopla in California in the last couple of days because some idiot regulators are considering a plan to charge a fee for text messaging on mobile phones to help support programs that make phone service accessible to the poor. 
First off, we already pay our taxes to take care of this sort of thing. Secondly, it's texting. Texting is so ubiquitous now. We do tax phone calls. Nobody will complain about that. Exactly. Yeah, seriously, because nobody does <laughs> Don't it Don't tax my texting. So it's unclear how much this is going to... The thing is, it's even unclear how it works. Is it going to be a per-fee text or is it going to be a flat surcharge? And if it's a flat surcharge, then why are we describing it as a tax on text? Because some people text a million times a day. Some people text two times a day. Flat surcharge wouldn't work. And that one's, it's not a direct tax then, is it? And then they're also talking about making it five years. Um, they're going to do it. Uh, they're going to backdate it for five years. So then you would be charged for five years of texting that you've already done. What the what? OK, I, I, I like this guy, Jim Wunderman, president of the Bay Area Council. Uh, he writes, it's a dumb idea. Thank you. That's it. End of conversation. He's like, this is how conversations take place in this day and age. And it's almost like saying there should be a tax on the conversations we have. Yes, it is a dumb idea. Yes, it is. People. Now, I've been spending a lot of time on the Tomb of the U recently because of my kid uh, watching things like Peppa Pig and uh, this gecko toddler fun learning thing that he really loves and uh, relatively decent stuff that and I paid. I forgot to mention, I'm a YouTube premium member now because I got Ooh. sick of the ads. Did you get YouTube the ads Red? Were, Is that the one? Uh, I think it's rolled into it. I don't know. It's called premium. Okay. one I have. But I, I do get the shows, not that I care. Mm-hmm. Um, the main, the only reason I did it was because some of the ads were massively inappropriate and I'd be just, like diving across the room to get to the remote <laughs> to turn off like the horror movie ad that popped up in the middle of Peppa Pig. Welcome to um, Ashley Madison. <laughs> Do you want to have it wasn't an quite affair? that bad, but there were a few that were like extremely inappropriate for a two year old. So, so we we went ahead and did the good parent thing and and boned up the cash for it. And it's a write off anyway, so why not? Um, so we did that. But uh, what I did notice, especially just even just doing Peppa Pig and these kids shows, is a lot of them aren't official. Shocking. Okay. So there's tons of people that are just ripping things and putting it up there. They aren't even on the official channel and it just pops up in your YouTube feed because YouTube doesn't really care that much about privacy or piracy. Um, but the other thing that brought uh, that was brought to my attention by an article in Engadget recently is that it's big business. Not only are they making the advertising money before they get caught and pulled down, they're asking for money on Patreon. What? They're saying, if you are enjoying watching these videos, please go to our Patreon page and give us some more cash to support our efforts. You've got to be kidding me. No, there's a person who runs Kitchen Nightmares Hotel Hell and Hell's Kitchen. Uh, basically, all he does is rip uh, Hell's Kitchen stuff and put it up on YouTube. Wow. And he started up his own Patreon page. And here is his exact pitch on Patreon. Okay. Hey, it's not as easy as you may think to make my content. My content, first off? Yeah. I have to look for the best quality episodes I can find, download them, convert them, edit them, render them, and upload them. Oh, the this pain. Can sometimes, the pain this can involved. sometimes take at least a few hours, especially because the downloads are usually slow and the rendering itself can take a couple hours because I started making all my uploads in HD instead of 480p to give them a little extra clarity. Wow. So it's not easy, folks, to be a pirate. Oh, God. Pirating ain't easy. Wow. <laughs> Somebody should tell this guy about Handbrake. <laughs> you know, mm. go to handbreak.fr and it'll save you, save you a little time. This actually a lot easier for you. But uh, it astounds me that, that we have gotten to this level now where nobody really understands what ownership is or copyright or anything. No. Like, you have content out there. I'm making a copy of it. Therefore, I'm working. So somebody pay me. Yeah. Oh, man. I, this is should be a jailable offense. It should be. Now, <laughs> this, the very next article in Engadget 
YouTube removed 58 million videos last quarter for violating policies. Maybe they should have made Obviously, it 558. Obviously, it's not moving enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should have been 558 million. Jesus. Yeah. And there is some culpability, I think, for Patreon there as well. Yeah. Patreon, you shouldn't... You need to be checking what people are doing. You know? You can't... Uh, I, I mean, they're just a platform, right? Oh, that's but right. Everybody there, it's just Patreon is just a platform. What people do with it, that's not our fault. We just process credit <sighs> cards. That's all we do. Yeah. So, was there jingle bells in the background there? Sorry about that. Uh, no, my ring just went off because I don't have I don't have new sound effects. No, there's <laughs> there's motion in my backyard. I thought it was like jingle of cash. I thought that was kind of nice. <laughs> that would have been great. I should I should have <laughs> set that one up myself. So, continuing on with this YouTube story, the uh, company has taken down 7.8 million videos, nearly 1.7 million channels, and over 224 million comments just between July and September. And YouTube noted that machine learning continues to play a major role in that effort, which is why nine times out of 10, when I used to put up completely legal and copyright owned stuff for bands back in the day, they were always pulled down. Yeah. And yet all the pirate <laughs> stuff could continue on. Exactly. So you, so you needed a Patreon for the Goo Goo Dolls and then your shit would have stayed up. <laughs> no shit. Um, and in not surprising news at all, Amazon has officially killed their partnership between Whole Foods and Instacart. I think Instacart knew that was coming in uh, oh, yeah. once Amazon acquired Whole Foods because they already have the delivery stuff built in and ready to go. Uh, so actually, Instacart did something quite smart. Uh, they were basically almost entirely dependent on Whole Foods at that point, but they went out and signed big deals with all the other grocery stores who are also combating against Amazon now because Amazon owns Whole Foods. So win win. The company is actually doing okay. Uh, it's small, small hit to their business. And now you actually have a little competition because Instacart is now dealing with all the other grocery stores. Yeah, that's good. Nice. Good. Yeah, it's good. And Recode has the 2018 tech trends <laughs> and tribulations in 14 charts. Uh, it's a visual thing, so I'm not great on podcasts, but uh, it, the link is in our show notes. And it's, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. It's a good yeah. look at the year. I'll just read the headlines here. Amazon's HQ2 contest played on our emotions, and that uh, has to do with when positive and negative feelings about uh, Amazon <laughs> as that process went along. Yep. Uh, social media usership plateaued in its most valuable regions, meaning, you know, North America, basically. Uh, nobody's going, nobody here is, uh, everybody here is either on it or not going on it ever. Mm -hmm. So that's where that's at. Uh, a chart of Elon Musk and his tweets uh, compared to the Stock value. <laughs> I love this one. Tesla? <laughs> I love this one. So that I kind of hate it because uh, now I have Tesla stock and I'm like, shut up. Well, shut up, Elon. <laughs> shut up, Elon, is what all stockholders think. So uh, electric vehicles had an electric year. That's yeah. So we see that there's a lot more of those on uh, the chart about the wildfires that burn through California here. Uh, Facebook kept betraying our trust. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. No. Uh, shit. The Me Too movement and how it's lasted throughout the year. Uh, cryptocurrency bit the dust. Pr yep. Predicted that one. <laughs> and uh, teens think Jewel is cool, but regulators not so much. Well, that's why they're teenagers. They will discover the value of regulation as they get older. Yeah. Trillion is the new $100 billion valuation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's just like, oh, God. Oh, and Fortnite is the best thing ever. And movie pass is dead. Yeah. <laughs> who, who does, so who does are our charts. i love the movie pass <laughs> stock price one the parent it's the parent mm -hmm. company stock price it's like wow three thousand dollars in december and by <laughs> august it was seven cents <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah how's that giving shit away from, yeah it doesn't work yeah 
Well, let's let's uh, finish up with another story on crypto here. Uh, crypto suffers a black eye after a buzzy $130 million project crumbles. Basis, oh, one of basis. Silicon Valley's buzziest attempts to create an alternative traditional currency, is shutting down. After raising $133 million just this April, how do you fuck up $133 million in a couple months? Crypto. <laughs> Blue chip venture capitalists. Like Anderson Horowitz and Alphabet's GV that maybe should not be doing their job, apparently. This shocking amount of dough was meant to build a stable coin or a currency that would be insulated from inflation and try to prevent the price sensitivity that has bedeviled other cryptocurrencies. And here's the kicker. <clears throat> but Basis felt the project would not really work only if its tokens, or what Basis created to adjust the supply of its stable coin and therefore keep its value relatively stable, wouldn't be subject to U.S. security laws. Regulators have been trying to assess whether to apply standard laws that govern things like stocks to digital assets like coins, and Basis said it was reading the tea leaves and predicting a crackdown. Unfortunately, having to apply U.S. securities regulations to the system had a serious negative impact on our ability to launch Basis. No shit! (laughs) Laws are tough. Oh, man. Man, it's shucks. By the rules. Shucks. So what what did they do with that $133 million, I wonder? (sighs) I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe there's new a new basis like out camp in uh (laughs) New Zealand. Maybe. Oh god. And it's just funny that we've been talking about why we haven't been talking about porn, then all of a sudden there was some porn news in the news, and I felt like we should discuss it really quickly because I was not aware of this because I don't look into this sort of stuff, but what porn streaming sites are doing with your data. Obviously, we know Facebook is doing crazy stuff. Everybody's doing crazy stuff with your data. Right. And it's it's Depeche Mode. Grab the grabbing hands, grab all they can with data. Let's get data, data, data. And obviously, porn sites are collecting data as well. Of course. What I didn't know is that basically one company owns almost all the porn sites and they're called themselves. Uh, what do they call themselves? Where is it? Porn. Mind Geek? Mind Geek. Data Mind analysis Geek. form. Well, that's yeah. a data analysis firm. Yeah. They actually own the sites. Oh, okay. Which is crazy because, and they keep it very quiet. They obviously, uh, if you go to their website, it's just a very boring WordPress corporate website that does not mention porn, but they collect all the data to realize what kind of more porn they should produce because of what's popular. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, look at Pornhub. Yeah. Treasure trove of interesting data. <laughs> yeah. They're crazy with the data and they make really good blog posts with really nice charts. And it's like, look, people like this when this happens, you know, they've, made that very public. And shockingly enough, of all the industries out there right now collecting all this data, the porn people are best at keeping it private. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard... And anonymized. I haven't heard much about a Pornhub breach anytime soon. Nope. Nope. Nobody going in the back door there. This episode is brought to you by Hopsy, the Keurig for beer. Brian, we finally won the podcast lottery. We're getting paid to drink free beer. It's all been worth it. Yes, five, almost six years of podcasting, and it's finally all paid off with some suds. That's right. Hopsy is awesome. They've got this sub-draft system that brings beer on tap to the comfort of your own home without the price tag many beer drinkers have come to expect. It's right there in your home. Well, see, for me, it's in my studio. I have it next to my desk, of course. My studio is in my home, so same, same. Yep, there you go. Have your own beer bar at home or your studio with the Sub, a countertop appliance that fits neatly in your kitchen, bar, living room, or the aforementioned studios. Yes, it fits very nicely, and it's very cool. It actually looks kind of nice, too. It's pretty neat. So whether you're a hophead, malt mouth, I've never heard that before, or a palate partier, you can enjoy a variety of beer styles from big and small breweries, which rotates monthly. They have a stellar selection of IPAs, which is the cool kid on the block right now. I'm sure, Brian, you know all the IPA folk out there. 
I do, and there's a party in my palate, and I want you all to come. Hopsy partners <laughs> with a long list of breweries and ships mini kegs to your home or office, but not yes. if you're at WeWork. <laughs> no, not at WeWork. You can't get, get, get a Hopsy at WeWork. So I got a stout in a porter, and we're, we're not allowed to tell you where we got them from because the cool thing about Hopsy is they partner with local breweries, so you get fresh beer from local craft breweries. So all of the different places around the country have different partners. And the stout and the porter I got, though, were both excellent. And uh, next time, I am going to get some of those aforementioned IPAs for my next delivery. Yes, the, they partner with local places. So depending on where you are, that'll de- they'll define what kind of beers you'll be getting. But they're all fantastic. I got a I got an IPA myself, personally, and a Kolsch. Can't uh, recommend the Kolsch's enough. It's a low alcohol content and perfect for maintaining that midday we work buzz that we always like so much. Just kidding. And the IPA was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I cannot complain. Uh, both were fantastic. I've already ordered two more. They're showing up soon, much to my wife's dismay, but uh, I'm very excited about this. <laughs> That's awesome. And the setup for the sub was super easy. I just plugged it in, stuck in the basically the mini keg that they give you, and like you wire it up, and within a few minutes, it's good to go. Not quite a few minutes. you got to chill that thing. Because it comes out nice and super cold. But if you pop those things in the fridge first, it comes up super fast. It's amazing. Yeah, I had mine in the fridge because I, I always had I, I, it's beer. It does not sit outside. It's yeah. You know. Well, I was in a hurry when it showed up. So, you know, I plugged it in right away. Uh, of course you were. <laughs> of course you were. Yes, it's convenient. It's super easy. It's fun. It looks cool on your on your countertop. Uh, it tastes great. I mean, you know, you could go down to a bar, but why? It's just a bunch of millennials not drinking. Stay home. So if you want to try Hopsy, go to tryhopsy.com slash GOG and use promo code GOG to get the sub home draft machine, the actual machine, two mini kegs of beer, which is equivalent to two six packs and two Hopsy glasses and free membership in the monthly beer club for $99. That's tryhopsy, H-O-P-S-Y dot com slash GOG and use the promo code GOG to get all of that beery goodness for $99. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of Grumpy Old Geeks is brought to you in part by Hover. Building your own online brand has never been more important, and your online identity begins with your domain name. It's the foundation, the rock, the center of your digital persona, nay, your digital brand. (laughs) And buying a domain name for yourself and your passions is the first and biggest step to building your personal brand online. Your domain name tells your online community who you are and what you're passionate about. Web hosts and websites evolve as their brand website and hosting needs change. Keeping their domain separate from hosting gives users flexibility to choose the right platform for their business. No one wants to be stuck with a solution that doesn't meet their needs. With Hover, your domain name can be connected to any host or website builder with a few simple clicks. Separation of church and state is important there, people. It is definitely important. And the great thing about Hover, I've said it before, you've heard me say it before, I love Hover. It is the greatest website known to man for buying a domain. They've got no upsells and a super clean user interface, best-in-class customer support team. You call, they pick up the phone, and they're Canadian, so they're not going to be jerks to you, which is important. And Hover Connect, this is a new thing they've got, which lets you, with just a few clicks, connect your domain name to a lot of website builders. It is super easy, and it's just boom, done. No more trying to figure out, like, was that an A record or a C name record I was supposed to update? I can't remember. You also get personalized email that matches your domain to further support your online identity. Also, so you won't look dumb with that at AOL.com email address anymore. You also get free Whois privacy, which is always an expensive upsell on previous domain registrars, but it's completely free with Hover. 400 plus domain name extensions to choose from, including all the classics and fun niche extensions. 
So get started today. Go to Hover.com slash GOG and get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hover.com slash GOG to get your awesome domain today and get 10% off your first purchase. We love Hover. Security? Ha! We're back this week with Dave Bittner from the CyberWire podcast. The CyberWire is a free, community-driven cybersecurity news service based in beautiful Maryland. Dave is also co-host of the new Hacking Humans podcast, along with Joe Kerrigan, where they take on social engineering. What's up, Dave? Hey, guy. Oh, wait. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I took off my furry head there. Uh, I'm doing good. (laughs) What's that? You were a bit muffled earlier. Yeah, yeah. Mm, well, yeah. it it just it becomes so comfortable that you don't even realize that you're wearing it anymore. It's like a second skin. It's just a part of you. <laughs> it's the most important part of you. Oh, uh, so it's good to be back. I understand people enjoyed our show last week, uh, which is nice. So quite a bit. Yes, they liked it quite a bit. <laughs> nice and rare. Yeah, right. Exactly. We'll take it. Take it when we can get it. Right. Right. Yeah. I still haven't figured out what 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 costume I would ha- I would get. I'm kind of okay with not knowing. I don't need the I don't need the mental imagery. <laughs> I have one um uh I have one cosplay idea that if I were to go to you know one of those what's the big one in San Francisco uh Comic-Con if I was Comic-Con. to go to Comic-Con I have mm-hmm. one in mind that I've never seen anyone else do and um it's the outfit that Elton John is wearing on the cover of his greatest hits album. He's got like a white suit on and it's iconic. Like people see that and they recognize it. And yes. I think that would make a great cosplay, you know, and you you just have to find all that stuff. But I think yes. people would, and it's not one I've ever seen anyone do anymore. So if someone hears this and wants to do it, send me a picture if you do, but <laughs> it's on my list someday. Anyway, so as we're recording this on Friday, of course, Friday is the day when people dump the news that they don't want anyone to notice. And mm-hmm. Facebook said that a new bug allowed apps to access private photos of up to 6.8 million users. The hits just keep on coming. <laughs> this is a story so by Tony you, uh, switched over from Snapchat for sending your news, uh, nudes to Facebook, well, that didn't work <laughs> out very well for you either. Yeah. This is a story by Tony Rahm in the Washington Post, and uh, Facebook is saying that it was a major software bug. Oh, yeah. And think? well, but what's interesting and and uh, troublesome, particularly troublesome about this, is that the apps would have access to photos that you didn't even post. Mm-hmm. So your Facebook that's, will let you. That's scary. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. They'll be rolling out tools to uh, get rid of this, but uh, I wonder how they, this will affect them for things like GDPR. I don't know. I, I keep saying this as if someone's going to be punished, but um, <laughs> <clears throat> you're so silly, Dave. You're yeah, so silly. I mean, it's, you know, GDPR has a 72-hour rule. Um, mm-hmm. and this happened back in September. <laughs> so it's more than 72 hours, a <laughs> little, yep. little more than 72 hours. So we'll see, is this just going to pile on all the stuff that the, the EU is, is working up against Facebook or will there be anything? Uh, who knows? But, uh, as, as you said, Brian, the hits just keep on coming for Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yep. I thought we'd actually go two days without a bad Facebook story, but nope, mm-hmm. nope, Mm-mm. it happened. Uh, I particularly like the first sentence in this article. Now, this is called called Spy and Conquer. Um, It is a relatively mild scene in a documentary about the sexual predator who helped transform American politics. (laughs) Which one? Which one? one? (laughs) one? (laughs) 
You'll this have to be more specific. This is, this is Roger Ailes. <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. yes. But the interesting thing about this article, it talks a little bit, there's obviously a big documentary out there right now about it, but uh, it talks about how um, after somebody uh, quit the job working for him in the next few days, she had messaged privately people on Facebook about, uh, about Ailes, and he found out because they were tracking absolutely everything. And he called her and said, I hear you've been making threats about me on Facebook. And mm. quoted friends' Facebook conversations verbatim. So this article gets into exactly how much employments uh, and places of your employment will can track you when you're using their devices and their bandwidth. Right. And apparently, it is they can see basically just about everything if they if want. If she to. did it from a and company phone, illegal. then she's just an idiot. Well, she, I believe she was probably writing her old coworkers who were then mm. reading the messages. Oh yes, yes, at they're, work. They're, Therein lies the rub, as it were. So. Right. One of the things that this article talks about is your employer's ability to get your passwords, mm -hmm. which they could certainly do. But I would, I suspect that if they then use that password to log into your account, that would be a violation of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes it would. So they're capable of getting your password, but if they use it, then they're in trouble. Right. They can monitor all the traffic over their network or anything you do on a device that they provided to you or a device that you're using on their network. So if you're using their Wi-Fi, for example, mm -hmm. even which on is your why device, everybody who is talking shit about their, about their, their bosses, here it comes. Go to GOG.show slash VPN <laughs> and get your copy of private Internet access. Yes, that is a that solution. Way, that uh, is a solution. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That's you might have to you might have to like make nice with the IT guys to let them install it for you, but mm -hmm. and they might put a back door in and they still have, you know, key loggers going on on your computer, but yeah. you yep. know. Yeah, yeah. But actually, you know what? That might actually be a terrible idea because you would get a false sense of security thinking yes. that you can type anything that you want, but it would the basically key be a red work. flag to the IT department that you're probably doing something they should be looking into. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. So never mind. Scratch that. But you still should go to GOG.show slash VPN and get private Internet access for all your VPN needs, except just don't install it at work. I just uh, I just found it interesting because people don't seem to really think about it uh, these days. And they are they should be. I mean, especially since, you know, I think back to when I first entered the job force and, and Jason and I were both working in very high tech companies. But at the time period. They didn't have this sort of thing just everywhere, and certainly they didn't have IT department, departments that realized that we could save all the traffic and we can look through people's emails. <laughs> we were the IT department. We were the me? IT department, and we knew <laughs> right. that we could do that because we were but doing we it. Um, we didn't but tell now anybody. it's, it's yeah. every company, everywhere, all the time, and that's a whole different story, isn't it? It really is. And uh, no. I think people just get numb to it. I think they just think about they're doing their their private stuff and companies allow them to do things like, you know, look at Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And I think there obviously there are legitimate mixed uses for those. You can especially these days. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, I, I guess the point is, it's hard for companies to ban Facebook or Twitter or any of those social things because there are. There are so many legitimate work uses for them. But at the same mm -hmm. time, I think that helps numb people to mm -hmm. the fact that they need to keep their personal stuff personal. Yep. And you just kind of get lazy, I guess, because there are no overt signs that someone is watching. So you get lazy about it. Yep. And you no yeah. longer go outside to get on the cell phone network. So only Verizon can see what you're writing somebody. Right. Uh, yeah. You just stay in your chair and you do it. And now your boss knows. 
Right. I think I mentioned this on the show before, but when I used to, I w- used to work for a company called BLT, we did movie mm-hmm. posters and trailers and a lot of mm-hmm. social stuff and things like that for the Muppets. Even ooh, we worked on the Muppets. It was that's great. pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. But half of the department got fired, and one of the girls who stayed behind, who didn't get fired, her cell phone would automatically connect to the company's Wi-Fi, and mm. we were not supposed to have any contact with the people who got fired. And she just walked into work one day and just sent a text to one of the people who had been fired. And within 30 seconds, security was at her desk escorting her from the building because she forgot that her phone was connecting to the Wi-Fi and then they could see everything. Wow. And yeah, it was just like, wait, 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 where's she going? Wait, 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 how? I, I. (laughs) I, she's supposed to work on my project today. What's going on? And it was just, you know, it wasn't a really damning text or anything, but she was just not supposed to talk to those people while she was at work. Yeah. And it, it happens because people forget that, you know, you get complacent. You totally get complacent thinking that, oh, I, I am using the company's network on my personal device. But since it's my personal device... I should be protected about that. It's like, no, you're still using the company network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Another thing this reminded me of towards the end of the article, they talk about how one of these uh, pieces of software that can look through all the data going through the network can, you can give it categories that you want it to look for mm-hmm. and it will automatically suck up anything in that category. Like keywords and, and that. Yeah, thing. exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, what it reminded me of was many, many years ago, I helped uh, produce a video that was about employment law. And there, in employment law, there's this whole notion of protected categories. And basically, one of the things with protected categories is it's the things you're not allowed to ask someone about in a job interview. Mm-hmm. Like their le- age or something exactly. like that? Exactly. Right, right. Um, and I, I think there's six or seven protected categories. I'm sure we have uh, some listeners who are up on the law who will let like us know furries? what they are. <laughs> what's, your, what's your costume <laughs> preference? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Reasonable things like that. Yeah. And I wonder if there needs to be something like that with what employers are or are not allowed to monitor. Would are, be nice. are, there, are there protected categories? If I'm... You know, if I'm looking up at lunchtime something lung cancer, you know, right. is it okay for my employer to then go, oh my gosh, my insurance? We have to is raise gonna... this guy's insurance, right? Because, <laughs> but it, you know, it turns out I'm looking up lung cancer because my grandmother has it or something like that. You know, it just, right. I don't know, I don't know. It just seems like we're still, as long as it's been, we're still in early days where. Um, Employers have so much of the advantage when it comes to these sorts of things. I, I guess it's, that- it's crazy to say that, but it's true. I mean, the fact that Jason, Jason and I can both sit here and talk about how we've been working in this for 20 years, but it's still early days. Right. I, th- I think the, the sad thing is that there really isn't any protection, like you're saying right now, for mm-hmm. the employers. It's, it's been a one-way street. It's, it's the employees have had all the power and have moved forward with the technology, and there is nothing legally that is protecting the employees at all. And I think there needs to be something as well. Yeah. Yeah. And well, get uh, on that, group Brian. Of people, get on well, it. a group of people that might be trying to do something about it, although not this specifically, a group of 15 Democratic senators have unveiled a bill that aims to protect our online data. They noted that banks, doctors, and lawyers are all required to protect your personal information and argue websites, apps, and other online services 
should also have to take responsible steps to safeguard <laughs> personal information and stop the misuse of users' data. I don't think any of us disagree with this. It's the implementation. <laughs> oh, you actually have a bell? Oh. We got a bell. Our budget has exploded, Dave. Wow. Exploded. <laughs> Patreon.com slash GOG, so Brian can get a bell. Oh, wow. So it is being called the Data Care Act, and it would require companies to protect your information and promptly tell users about data breaches, not this three months later crap that we're all so used to now, involving sensitive data and to not use individual identifying data in ways that harm users. Now, that's an open definition if I've ever heard one. <laughs> weren't we talking about one of these a few weeks ago that actually had some jail time associated yes. with it? Yeah, this one, yeah. This one this does is not, not. This is a different one. Okay. So. I was wondering, is this a watered-down version of that one? Did, they, you know, did their colleagues in, in the Senate take them outside and tell them what for, and suddenly now there's no jail time in it? But no, this yeah. is a different one. That's a good question. But uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully they will be combined in some way, shape, or form. Right, right, as so often happens. Well, I, I think it's interesting that we've seen several of these start to make their way through. I think with the GDPR yes. and everything, and, and there's even talk that, as we've talked about, the, the big companies want there to be some uh, security, some some mm-hmm. uh, predictability in these sorts yeah. of things. So look at look at Microsoft with their, like we need to regulate facial recognition, and you know now things are coming out about AI, and they need to do that because we know AI. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, I mean the the corporations are starting to get behind. Like, hey guys, there's going to be some bad actors out there, and we need some mm-hmm. rules in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's uh, let's actually speak about one of these frightening overreaches uh, right now. Um, Jason, you actually <laughs> sent this it? to me because I know you have a Google uh, search set for Taylor Swift, so you were immediately notified about this. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Particular case. Uh, Taylor Swift all? security used facial recognition technology to monster- monitor concert crowds for stalkers. Is that allowed? Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> it is right now. That's part of the problem. Uh, right. Security at Taylor Swift's Rose Bowl show in May reportedly uses facial recognition technology to monitor the crowd for the singer's known stalkers. According to Rolling Stone, a screen playing rehearsal clips had a facial recognition camera hidden in it uh, to record concert <laughs> goers who yeah. were watching the footage. It, 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 it would have been even better if the song was called Honey Pot. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's exactly that's what funny. it was. Yeah. I like. I mean, is that, yeah, is that a clever. song by Taylor Swift? I don't. Know. I don't know. I don't think so. But uh, you know, it, uh, it, it, a command post in Nashville, almost two thousand miles away from the venue, then cross-referenced the recorded images with a database of more than a hundred people who had previously stalked Swift. It's unclear who made this list or what the criteria was for being added. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there, this goes on and on about it. I guess the thing for me is they did not notify anyone attending this concert that this was happening. They that should to. be a law, but no. it should be a law. You're in a public. You're in that. a public venue on private property. It's right. it's not really one of the things that they have yeah. to do. And we also don't know what they're doing with any of these facial images that they're keeping. We have no idea if they're just keeping a gigantic database now. And obviously, this gets into real issues because this is a for-profit organization that is now being able to tie your face as being a Taylor Swift fan, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I, it keeps me up at night. It keeps me up at night. <laughs> I, I like right the now. I like using the video as bait to get you to look at the camera. I think that's I clever. Love that, that is very clever. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I loved clever. it. Yes, I think it's very clever. And the other thing that, may, that this made me think of: Would we have a problem with this if there were security guards stationed at the entrances who had a print a printout with some of the the pictures of the people they were looking for? No. No, and I know that that exists. I've worked with organizations that have that. They've they've right. got a flow. They've got. They used to call it a, the deck of cards of bad actors, basically. Mm. So yeah, and the security teams were well aware of the people that had to be kept uh, at arm's length, if not even further. Um, the, yeah, the issue isn't really with 
the pro with with the end product is the process and it's it's with the fact that you're not being notified and who again nobody knows what's happening to this data of people that aren't bad actors mm-hmm. how do we know that these images aren't being saved and stored somewhere um, right. that's where it gets weird right it's not just a a printout it's it's digital data that will live forever and can be used in any way shape or form we have no idea right but you and i can go outside right now and put a camera outside of our house and we can store mm-hmm. everybody that walks by our house we can do that and we can keep a database of that and we yeah. can cross reference it, it it's with, weird because yeah. you can do it unless it's being used for something commercial right that's why you yes. have to sign consent forms if you walk past somebody shooting mm-hmm. an outdoor scene in a movie um i think there should be notifications no matter what if you're recording i mean a lot of people put the notification up for even a fake cam- camera in the hope that the notification in and of itself will take care of the problem. I don't right. like skipping that step and and just making it, you know what, I can do whatever I want and I'm going to record you and not tell you that I'm recording. Right. Oh, yeah. that reminds me of a, a real quick aside. Our communal friend, David Riegler, and I, we used to work at Paramount. And every day when they were filming, uh, was it Clueless, in the in the park next to us? We would sneak through because, you know, we were like bad kids wearing all black, like wearing Nine Inch Nails T-shirts and smoking and being bad, <laughs> going through this this clueless set of all these people in these candy, you know, cotton candy colored shirts. Yeah. And they would have to scrap the entire scene if we walked into it because we didn't sign releases. Mm. <laughs> so we just trolled nice. them every day because we're just like, you guys are idiots. Get out of our get out of our lot. I think the main takeaway <laughs> from that is, man, are we old? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, mean, I, I remember back in my video days, if we'd be shooting in a like a casino or something, it would be routine that you'd put a sign up that would say, mm-hmm. "Hey, everybody, mm-hmm. we're videotaping here. If you come in this space, you you're giving us permission to use you in the movie." Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And but I wonder for this for the security thing, do they just have to say notice? Video technology is being used in in our security efforts at this event. Entry, in uh, you know, indicates a permission to be videoed for security purposes. I think and, that's already on the TOS for your ticket. I, yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, because I mean, it, it, since it is a private venue, they already have security cameras at the venue. I think the thing about the overreach, yeah, on that's this an incredibly blanket yeah. statement, though. That's the problem. Yeah. I, I think it needs to be more specific, and you need to know that. The, I, just a notification. I, I don't see that should be a law. I don't understand why it isn't. So okay, but I don't Honestly, understand why a lot of things aren't laws. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there true. ought to be a law. <laughs> this doesn't bother me. This we doesn't... are old. There ought to be a there law. Ought to be a law. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, this does not bother me. Once I'm out in public, once I leave my home, I just give up the thought that we are yeah, going well, to be... you could have just stopped with, I just private. give up, Jason. And the thing is, I don't <laughs> just give up yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, we've true. all seen you, Jason. We've all spent time with <laughs> we, you. We know that there's we anyone in this world up. who's given up. <laughs> it's oh. you. Are the dogs back home? No, they're not home Aww. yet. They're still at the canyon, which is Aww. why I'm very sad. Very sad. It's very sad. Uh, they, they, sh- they might be home by the time I go in the house, but uh, <laughs> we had we had a plumbing emergency where I had to ship them off for 24 hours because we had plumbers coming through and digging up the house. So yeah. Hmm. It's been a sad day. It's been a sad day. If if I still had my Chinese webcams, you could go to Shodan and, and watch the, the whole, <laughs> That's the whole right. debacle. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. So this next story is from uh, TechCrunch. This is a a popular avatar app, which is called Boomoji. 
Not one I'm familiar with. <laughs> you guys familiar with this not, one? Not to be confused mm, not popular with, enough. Yeah, not to be confused with Poomoji, the <clears throat> bathroom app. <laughs> oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> right. Uh, millions of users, contact lists, and location data. Oops. So this is a Chinese-based developer, and mm-hmm. it's one of those standard emoji things where you can, you know, you, you sort of design an emoji of yourself, and then it has all kinds of fun things. You can put little scenes you put yourself in doing fun mm-hmm. things. It's one of those. But... What's bad about this one and what makes this worse than just a regular leak is that this app was one of those apps that sucked in your entire contact list. Right. And so the entire contact lists of not just the the people who use the app, but the contact lists of everyone who was on their phones when they joined the app. Friends of friends of friends of friends. Yes. Contacts all the way down. They've been Facebooked. Um should come up with a better <laughs> name for that but i quite like that actually yeah they've they been said, uh, they've of, been burged we'll include been, both sandberg and zuckerberg right they've, they've yeah. been burged um <laughs> one of the uh tables inside of this database had over 125 million contacts holy shit people's <laughs> phone books um ids it had uh i think it had some some gps information just bad 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 so yep. oh and you can find it on Shodan. go figure mm-hmm. yep yeah, nice. I love show uh, Dan. <laughs> we got to get Dan Tentler on the show. <laughs> Each record was linked directly to Abumoji's unique ID, making it relatively easy to know whose contact list belonged to whom. Yeah. Awesome. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, here, this is one that I saw come by on Twitter, and uh, I cannot claim that I've actually used this myself, but I thought it was interesting. This is a password manager. It's called Bitwarden. And mm. it has all the things that uh, all the general password managers have. There's a free version, and uh, it checks a lot of boxes here. It's open source, which is great, mm-hmm. so everybody can take a look at it. But the thing that caught my eye that some folks were turning, um, that pe- folks were pointing out on Twitter, was that if you don't want to use their cloud services, you can host it yourself. Mm-hmm. So you can just spin up your own version of this for your organization, for your family, whatever, right. and just have it. Just be independent of anyone else and and uh, go out and run it. So if you're super paranoid um, <laughs> and you don't want any of that stuff up on the cloud, this might be a good solution to that. So again, I haven't spin up your uh, AWS service, but make sure you lock it down. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I haven't used this myself, so I can't vouch for it. But I think uh, it might be worth checking out. So I included in the notes there. Oh, appreciate that. Now, when it comes to these password managers, I don't know if open source is actually the way to go. I'm on the fence about this, and let me t- let me hear what you guys think because okay. you know one password is closed source. They control everything. They have the cloud. They've got all the keys. But when LastPass, which was also open source, came out, I mean, they got they got broken basically. So <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, yeah, we want to we want to hear about open source. We want to know that there are people looking at the code. But a lot of the times, the people that are looking at the code aren't looking at it to protect you. They're looking at it to exploit you. And when it comes to password managers, I am extremely paranoid. And that's why I like the the one password model where it is closed source and only the people that work there have the keys to the castle. What do you guys think? Well, um, sometimes clo- open source giveth, sometimes open source <laughs> taketh away. <laughs> I don't want them to taketh away my bank account. Yeah, right? I, I think... Yeah, related to passwords, I think I would probably prefer closed source. But it's so hard to tell because companies are so lazy these days. You just got to find a good company, right? And I think we have with them. What it reminds me of is um, 
there was the thing, oh, I don't know, a month or so ago where they discovered that the encryption on a bunch of SSD drives was inadequate. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And um, yeah. basically, I think it was like Microsoft systems were basically taking the drive's word for it that things were encrypted. So rather, if you, would, if you wanted to encrypt a volume, <laughs> rather than the operating system encrypting the volume, the, op- the OS would talk to the SSD and say, hey, you want to encrypt this? And the SSD would say, got it. And that would be that, and they'd all be happy with that. And it turns out that the encryption on the SSD, which was closed source, so no one was able to look at it, was inadequate. Some people discovered it was easily cracked, and Bob's your uncle. So right. mm-hmm. that, to me, is the flip side of it. Less eyes are not necessarily a good thing. And here we had hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of devices out there that people had assumed were secure, and turns out they were not, and they were, in fact, easily cracked. Right. But I also look at the flip side of that, too, with WordPress. WordPress is open source, and yep. it's on bazillions of computers. Right. And it is a massive target because the bigger the target, the more that they're going to look at the source and try and find a way around it. Yeah. And with this, I, I mean, when I'm dealing with my passwords, honestly, I'm just this is you know, these are the keys to your life. Yeah. Nowadays. Well, I guess the for me, the, the folks who I know who do this stuff every day, you know, the Jonathan Katzes of the world, the, mm-hmm. the folks who live in encryption, they tend mm-hmm. towards open source solutions. They think that right. that's the better way to handle encryption. So uh, I tend to trust them, but uh, I cannot <laughs> claim to have as informed an opinion as they do. So I'm going with what they say. OK. How many of your friends actually use this? How many how many of your friends use Bitwarden? Oh, I said zero. I, I, nobody. I, <laughs> I just found this. Uh, it's no, okay. I say this is this is brand new. I, I just thought it was interesting. Um, I saw several people who I respect saying this is interesting because of the ability to run it on your own. Gotcha. Uh, makes it particularly interesting, and combining that with the fact that it's open source makes it something a, a new uh, entry into the password manager world that perhaps is worth a look. And that's why I share it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. As as soon as people uh, get under the hood and vet it a little bit, I'll, I might check it out because yeah, yeah I, I'd like to save a hundred dollars a year. And since right. one password doesn't <laughs> actually, you know, advertise on this show anymore, I'm more than happy to save some money. But yeah. uh, that's look. cool. All right, gentlemen, that's what I have this week. I'm going to uh, go put my hoodie. Uh, I'm sorry, my furry head back on <laughs> and uh, get back to work here doing uh, Cyberwire stuff. Dave, the sexy fox Bittner. (laughs) The sexy fox. You don't know I'm a fox just because that video is a fox. No, Showdance. I know exactly what you are. (laughs) (laughs) And I should be ashamed of myself. (laughs) All right. right. Talk to you guys soon. Ups and doodads. I had to get a new printer, so I got the HP Envy Photo 6255 all-in-one photo printer with wireless printing, instant ink, ready, cage 7 g one eighteen a Okay. <laughs> now, we all know that all printers suck. Nobody can make a decent printer. They really can't. They're just, they're lost leaders to sell ink, and ink is still too damn expensive. But this one's okay so far, and I'm sticking with an HP because basically I had to get a printer because my printer completely died. I've had that printer for so long, they fucking stopped making printers that use that type of ink. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it lasted so long, I'm okay with it. So I'll drop 89 bucks for something that lasts me almost 10 years. I have the HP NV7640 series, personally. Ooh, we also nice. have the HP OfficeJet Pro 8610. 
Now, the difference is the HP OfficeJet Pro 8610 to refill the ink costs almost $100, Whew. whereas the HP Envy 7640 only costs $40. Yeah, the HP Envy actually isn't too bad for the ink. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's way more than it should be. It, it costs more than gold bad. per ounce. <laughs> yeah. It really yeah. does. It's crazy. Yeah. I wanted to check into some of the uh, the Epson printers because they have this whole thing where you can buy like a tub and like stick it on the back of it and they have subscriptions with it. But it, the, the price is still ridiculous. Oh, by the way, it's been so long since I bought a printer. I was like, what do you mean there's an ink subscription? Yeah, people. Even ink has gone subscription model. I'm telling you, man. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and people who print a lot. Like yesterday, my roommate had to go. She drove to Encino to print out a document because she's like, this would take up all the ink and that would this would be a $40 document. So she had to go to the office where they have toner. I do think right. the next time I get another printer, I am going to get a laser jet because the ink in those is still really affordable and they're great. Right. Those color inkjet printers, I think friend of the show MXV had a couple of them and mm -hmm. they're gorgeous. You're not going to do like, you know, archival photo prints on them. But when you need to just fucking print a boarding pass, it's like that's right. all you need. Come on. <laughs> and they cost like yep. 200 bucks. It's, it's a that's little bit crazy. more up front and we're back to lasers. It's all freaking lasers, mm -hmm. man. Well, it's all freaking laser beams. Yeah. Now, have you heard of Razer Softminer? No. Okay. Razer is the company that makes gaming gadgets. They make laptops, but they also do mice. I used to have a Razer mouse when I was a competitive Quake player, like Quake 3 Arena player back in the day. <laughs> so they've come up with this new thing called the Softminer, which lets mm -hmm. you use your computer's CPU and GPU when you're not using mm -hmm. it to get mm -hmm. rewarded with quote unquote Razer Silver which you can then use to redeem it for swag, razor swag. Now, okay. they say here, is, even in the fact, is razor silver a cryptocurrency? Razor silver is not a cryptocurrency. It is a loyalty rewards program. We work with crypto mining technology to harness your computer's GPU. In turn, we award you with silver, giving you access to razor's ecosystem and a suite of rewards. So what they're How doing? How is that not a cryptocurrency? That, well, it's off. not because it is a rewards program. They're taking your computer. They are mining. It's a cryptocurrency that you can only redeem with them. It's still a cryptocurrency. It's not though. It's just it's a it's Whatever. a rewards token thing because it's always going to have the same value. They're making money on top of you by mining cryptocurrency. They're just seeing right. how much cryptocurrency that you can make for them. They're giving you a <sighs> fraction of it so you can right. get a mouse. This right. is disgusting to me yes. i mean it is ridiculously disgusting so this is like me collecting my marlboro miles in college so i could get a kayak <laughs> it's, yeah it's just it's so bad it is so bad they really need to like get their shit together and get and pull this program no this is a bad idea yeah, yeah. i do like the light up mouse pad though that's kind of nice they got a giant mouse pad <laughs> that lights up around the edge that's kind of mm -hmm. nice but you know what i have a gl tech giant gaming mouse pad that costs like $12. It doesn't light up. This one probably costs a hundred dollars. So I'm probably do that. And I don't have a machine that is good enough for razor soft miner. Right. So come on guys. It's stupid. And I did order a new piece of audio gear, which I'm very excited about. And normally I wouldn't mention this before I actually get it and can talk about it. <laughs> But, you know, everybody else is talking about shit before they get it and talk about it. But I bought uh, the Rodecaster Pro Podcast Production Studio. It, this is a sexy little piece of equipment. I wish this would have been around when we started up. Yeah, yeah. Considering the two interfaces that we are using right now, 
cost uh, close to $1,000 each. This thing costs $600, and it's uh, it's got four XLR ports. It's got a bunch of stuff, but it's also got Bluetooth, so you can actually take phone calls with it from your mm-hmm. phone, which is nice. nice. The only problem that I really do have with it is there are eight buttons on the side that you can assign sound effects to, mm-hmm. but you can't like create banks of sound effects. That's the real stupid thing that they did because I'm like, I need like 10 banks of sound effects because even for the, the other show, thing I wish yeah. that they had was, would be controls for, um, for some of the, uh, the gating. And it's things it, like that's that. I'd, like, I'd like those soft pads to be able, no, but uh, not uh, physical, right? It, it, I mean, it, I'm talking like, I, I would like those pads to be programmable to be anything I wanted. Oh like, yeah. So the sound effect. I'd, I'd want to be able to hit that pad to say like, kick, turn the gate off, turn the gate on. Blah, blah. Yeah. But it, it does come with DSPs and there are sound mm-hmm. gates in built in there's limiters yep. and they've got really like, you know, uh, grade a preamps in them. I've, I've watched a couple of reviews for people who got the, uh, the review huh. units and it, it looks really nice. Really Sorry, nice. I just scrolled down and, and read the what the very first comment, which completely agrees with what I just said. Okay. <laughs> please please enable the sound pad function more like a macro pad. There you go. There <laughs> you go. That would be good. That would be good yeah. because yeah, I we I mean we have sound effects in the show, but I never do live sound effects because I don't want them gumming up the tracks, you know. Yep. But the nice thing about it is I can take my iPad and then run like a sound editor on that with all the sound effects and run it into a separate track. And then, you know, mic that back out. So that'll be cool. Yeah. But I can do that right now with my PreSonus Studio 192 that costs, you know, $900 because <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what that does. But this only has four. Inputs. Yes. It's, it, but it's nice because you also don't need this is the other nice thing I like about it. You don't need to have like a headphone uh, splitter and amplifier because it has like four outputs. So you can do a four yeah. mic setup with headphones for everybody and you don't have to get another piece of gear because i've got you know different headphones some long cables yeah that's it (laughs) you know and the headphones i'm using my sony mdrs that's like the cable on these things is super long so you just plug them in and go so i'm really looking forward to trying this thing out because as a professional podcaster Mm -hmm. i want to be able to i want to be able to put one of these in a Pelican case with a bunch of stuff, a bunch of booms and microphones and ship it to a client and say, here, plug this in, turn it on, press this button and talk. And then when you're done, send it back to me, you know, even better for like traveling or anything like that. Like, you know, if we go to go to the fireside conference again next year, that thing's perfect. Yeah. I mean, we've got a zoom H six that we've used for remote stuff, but this is, this just looks way more powerful because we could mm-hmm. do like, you know, an XLR splitter from the mic on the stage and run it right into this and then just have our own copies there's there's so much you can do with this thing because i remember at fireside mm-hmm. they were running around with zooms just handing them off to everybody yep. it's like you get a bunch of these this costs as much as a zoom h6 so it, it's yeah. ridiculous how much more powerful this thing is so i'm really looking forward to it and you can record on board to a backup sd card right so it's like okay you can line out back to your computer do everything like we're doing right now we use zencaster to talk and all that stuff but there's a backup built into the system which is great especially when you're fantastic out in the middle of nowhere and you just want to get a show done i'm i'm really mm-hmm. hoping really really hoping this thing is going to be good <laughs> i'm really hoping <laughs> so uh when it gets here it's out of stock right now because it's like they've only released a limited number of them but when it gets here i will do a full review and let you know but podcasters take it take note of this thing this actually looks really good i think this is better than the one that uh, adam curry was trying to do that he failed on kickstarter for sure yeah. Definitely. Brick a brick.
Virgin Galactic has come a long way since its big crash in, I believe, 2014. Uh, but the company's spaceship, too, has reached space after months of testing, flying to an altitude of 271, 268 feet before returning to Earth. It was a very brief stay just for a test, but it's good to hear that they're back. And uh, sounds like uh, they're back uh, and they'll be going a lot more often recently. So we'll see what happens. No, that's really good. I mean, I was mm-hmm. there for Spaceship One's first launch for the X Prize, and it was one yep. of the greatest days of my life. But uh, there was another article that I saw like a couple of weeks ago where they're trying to redefine the limit of space. Right. Virgin Galactic is because they're like, you're like, ah, we can't get that high. Can we just can you we know, redefine space? Bit? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, how does a Microsoft engineer change a light bulb? Well, they just redefine dark. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then I ran across this article, which is really interesting. We've known for a long time that blue light is very bad for us. We just mm-hmm. didn't know why. Scientists have discovered that blue light from screens causes the eye to attack itself. What? Now, this is pretty frightening. So it starts with one of uh, this, this article starts with one of my big rants and my pet peeves about all of this stuff about technology and everything. We tend to get ahead of ourselves. This phenomenon is ancient. Every time we invent or discover a new technology, we get so excited about its application that we overlook potential consequences. Even as we regularly watch disasters unfold due to the unforeseen, we forget to remember to check in the next time a seemingly innovative tech is introduced. Yes. Yes, okay. yes, yes. So, what so does many this do? studies now <laughs> yeah. confirm that blue light negatively affects our circadian rhythms, leading to sleep issues and causing mm-hmm. other health problems. A new study published in the journal Nature. Oh, boy. It's <laughs> causing the human eye to attack itself. Degenerative eye disease it's causing. Um, as with the late long-term effects of cigarettes and alcohol, eye problems are chronic, unfolding over decades. By the time we realize the inevitable, it's often too late. Put your phones down at night, people. Yep. Stop doing that. Have light on in the room. Never do this in the dark. The disease occurs when cells behind light-sensitive tissue inside your eyeballs break down, resulting in a continual loss of eyesight. Blue wavelengths are suspected in aggravating this condition. The extent of their influence is debated. The study, though, offers solid proof that it is happening. Uh, senior researcher and assistant professor Ajith Karunithan, <laughs> and his team focused on retinol, a form of vitamin A, which is necessary for eyesight. Photoreceptors are useless without retinol, which is produced in the eye. If you shine blue light on retinol, the retinol kills photoreceptor cells as the signaling molecule on the membrane dissolves. Photoreceptor cells do not regenerate in the eye. When they're dead, they're dead for good. Oh, that's not good. No activity is sparked with green, yellow, or red light, only blue light. Oh, shit. (laughs) That's really not good. We need to rethink our monitors and our phones and our screens and how we get digital information into our eyeballs. And until then, make sure you're in lit, brightly lit rooms when you're using them. I just turned on night shift and I'm going to keep it on forever. (laughs) Yep. Every Photoshop doc I ever have will now be orange. That's all it's going to (laughs) be. We should change our logo to orange now. (laughs) (laughs) oh man i do have those lighting science bulbs they're expensive they're like 15 bucks each but that's what i'm running here in my studio and i've got them in my house in my bedroom so i never have like regular fluorescence they're they're nice they're they're leds so they're still like well uh good for the environment or whatever you want to fucking call it but uh yeah there's no blue light coming out of them which is really good that's you know, it helps me. It definitely helps me fall asleep. Well, it's but. looking like a much better investment uh, for the cost at this point, because this is a uh, this seems to be a real thing. Yeah, it's not good. That's not good. The fact that they they can't regenerate. We're going to have a bunch of really fucked up people here in about 10 years mm-hmm. <laughs> staring at these phones. 
But yeah, I don't, uh, I try not to look at my phone at night anymore. And I do have night shift on, on my phone. It starts at, I, you can auto set it. So it turns on at sunset, turns off at sunrise. I do that mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, on all my Macs, I have night shift turned on. It's still not as good as that old program. What the hell was that Flux. called? Flux. Yeah, Flux that got put out of business by Apple. Thanks, Apple. Yep. Thanks, wait, Apple. Thanks wait. for making us all blind. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it, Tim. Preach. Preach, Tim. Closing shout outs. My closing shout out this week is to my friends Kevin and Daria Rose for all the health advice they're giving me because Daria is a bona fide PhD in neuroscience, and Kevin is a life hacker who uh, gets to talk to really smart people in their throwing me bones, which I will then pass on to you as I get them. So thanks, guys. Nice. And my shout out is to The Cure for making it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Finally, uh, The Cure is one of the triumvirate of bands that got me through high school. So I'd like to see the Smiths and Depeche Mode in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame soon as well. Until Even next though time. it means nothing. <laughs> Even though it means nothing. <laughs> And I will shit on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame every year until that happens. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmester. <laughs> and I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to patreon.com slash GOG. Toss us a buck a month and we'll love you forever. If you'd like to give a one-time or recurring donation, go to GOG.show and click the PayPal button in the sidebar if Patreon is not your cup of tea. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 306. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy. <laughs> Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.